0: So, we invite you to open up to Daniel chapter 9. When we look at Daniel chapter 9, I want you guys to consider something. As we've been going through, remember Daniel divides into two parts. Chapter 1 through 6 is the history of Daniel, they're chronological. 1 through 6 go together. 7 through 12 are his prophecies, they're chronological, they go together. 1 through 12 is not chronological, one's his history. The other is the prophecy that God gave him. We saw the first two prophecies, chapter 7 and chapter 8. They came during the Babylonian Empire while Daniel was serving um, uh, in Babylon. Now this next one in Daniel chapter 9, we find Daniel with the Medo-Persian Empire. That empire that conquered, just like God said they would. Remember we saw, remember in chapter 8. The Lord laid out for us. He started to break down for us that second kingdom, the Medo-Persian, raised up on one half because Persia was greater than the Medes and overcame the Medes in their conglomeration. In fact, today in history, they're known as the Persian Empire. The the Medo part or the Median part is forgotten about. The Persian Empire, we saw last week, was going to be conquered by Alexander the Great. And we saw some incredible prophecies and you may remember I shared with you the high priest, when Alexander the Great came to Jerusalem, his name was Jedua, And Jeduah went out to meet Alexander with Daniel chapter 8. He opened it up, he showed it to him, and Alexander did not conquer Israel. He just passed by. Now Israel didn't fight. But Alexander didn't conquer, didn't go to war, didn't destroy. He was amazed that he could see his career in the pages of scripture so we had an opportunity last week to look at that but as we look at daniel chapter 9 this week and i don't know that we'll get all the way to the to the prophecies that everybody loves to to study daniel's 70 weeks because there's something in the beginning that's so important for us i think to grasp and really get our hands around in daniel chapter 9 so it begins in chapter 9 verse 1 In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Hey, Daniel was reading the Word of God. He had a scroll of Jeremiah. He would spend time in God's Word. And I want to encourage you that the things that we see happening in Daniel's life can also happen in in our life to a, a greater or lesser extent if we follow the example that we see laid out for us in Daniel. Daniel would study God's Word. That study of God's Word would lead him to prayer. That prayer would lead to a revelation of God in Daniel's life. And that revelation of God in Daniel's life would lead Daniel to study God's Word. Which would lead to prayer. Which would lead to a revelation of God in Daniel's life. Which would lead to Daniel studying God's Word. It works exactly the same way in our life. When we study God's Word and we're going to come across things. And Daniel's going to come across things and he's going to say, Lord... I don't understand, and I don't know what's going on here, but I believe your word, and so I'm going to lean to you. God, help me. God, show me. What is it that you have for me to do? And God would reveal to Daniel that next step, that next thing. And and in Daniel chapter 9, he reveals to him the greatest prophecy in the entire Bible. He gives it to Daniel. But why? Because Daniel was much beloved of God. He was much beloved of God because he communed with him. He spent time with him. We know, remember from Daniel chapter 6, that's Daniel in the lion's den, right? When his friends wanted to to try to convict Daniel of being a Christian, was there enough evidence? Sure, all they had to do was say, I know, let's make a law that says you can't pray to any other God. Would that work for us? Is there enough evidence in our life? Do we spend enough time before our Lord crying out to Him, God, So that if our friends said, hey, there's a law, you can't pray anymore, what is that going to affect? Is it going to affect our life? Well, for Daniel, they knew they had him, right? Because he's going to pray three times a day. Three times a day, morning, noon, and night. He's going to pray. He's going to seek the Lord. So as he studies God's Word, his heart is drawn to commune with him, to talk to God about what he's studying, to understand what it is that God's laying out for him. And then his heart is prepared through prayer to receive the word that God has to give him. Now, in Daniel's life, God sent Gabriel, an angel, to come talk to him. Now, God may or may not do that for us, but because God has given us his word, if we're willing, as we prepare our heart to go before the Lord and commune with him, and in prayer seek to grasp God's hand, then God will reveal. He will reveal it to our heart. Or he'll reveal it through His Word. He'll reveal it through His voice. He does it all. There's no limitation on how God can speak to us. And I know, I can look back in my life, and I can see times where me and God were walking like hand in hand, step for step. I mean, we were right there going together and... And, and I was really excited about doing the things that, that God had called me to do, and God would give me a very clear word. So I just knew. This is what God wants. Now, when you do what God wants, does that mean it won't be hard or difficult? No, it just means you're doing what God wants. What does that remove from the equation? All those doubts and worries, right? I mean, think about it. How many times have we maybe thought about something or prayed about something, Lord, should I do this, shouldn't I do it? And we begin to step out in faith and do that thing, and then something bad happens, and we think, oh, maybe I didn't hear from the Lord. Well, how do you know? How do you know that that wasn't something that was intended for 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 to happen? How do you know that that wasn't the way it was always supposed to go, and that that was a, a, the method through which God is going to best equip you for for the challenges that lay before you in your in your life so we want to just have that understanding it's so important i know that i know beyond the shadow of a doubt that god has called me to be at calvary chapel buell i don't even worry about it it doesn't the question doesn't even come up in my mind so when there are difficult issues to deal with i don't double think i don't go oh Maybe I got it wrong. You know, maybe it was supposed to be somewhere else or someplace else. No, because I know that I know that's where God wants me to be. But how does that come? It comes from studying God's Word, from applying God's Word to your life, and prayer. Now, folks, sometimes people think prayer is all about moving God's hand. That's not prayer. Prayer is about grabbing God's hand putting your hand in god's hand that's what prayer is we don't move god's hand he's god not me i'm gonna hold his hand because if i'm holding his hand i'm gonna be where he wants me to be right amen i'm gonna be uh following in his footsteps learning the things that he has for me i'm not trying to declare what god must do i'm gonna put my hand lord i know here's the situation you're gonna do something but if i'm holding your hand and the storm comes i don't need to be afraid right I'm with him. I'm where I'm supposed to be. And so this is the lesson that we see in Daniel. And one of the things we want to grasp in Daniel chapter 9 is this is the moment when Daniel recognizes why they're in captivity. Jeremiah the prophet said, For 490 years, the children of Israel did not keep the Sabbath year. For 490 years, they failed to give the land a rest. God said, six years you worked the land. In the sixth year, I'll give you double. And you let the land rest the seventh. You trust in me, I'll take care of you. But when they came to that seventh year, they didn't trust the Lord. They planted and worked the land. And they worked the land For 490 years, and God said, You have failed to keep a Sabbath year for 70 times 7. Does that ring a bell for anyone? You remember when Peter was talking to Jesus and he said, Lord, how many times should I forgive my neighbor the same offense? Remember? And Peter thinking he was really reaching out there as many as 70 times? And Jesus said... No, I say 70 times 7. 490 just happens to be the same amount of years that, that God forgave the children of Israel before they went into captivity. I, I don't think there's accidents in the Bible or coincidences. That's way too close a coincidence, isn't it? The point remains the same. God expects us to forgive because there ain't not one person that I know who has wronged me for 490 years you know what i mean uh last i checked maybe the maybe i get better than 70 maybe 80 i don't know who knows we'll see i keep driving a motorcycle maybe not (laughs) but the point is you forgive him for 490 years that pretty much covers all of us right we're not going to run out of time to forgive but that was the heart of the lord well, in reading Jeremiah, Daniel realized, oh my gosh, this is what we had done wrong. This is the sin of the people. And so that's where we find him in Daniel chapter 9. He's understood that the, the time was going to be 70 years. It's going to be 70 years. And Daniel's beginning to realize how close they are. Now, 605 B.C., Daniel was taken. In 597 B.C., the, the, the temple was plundered and the goods in the temple were taken out of the temple and then in uh, 587 the temple was destroyed now the question is which one of those three dates starts the 70 years of captivity well we don't know doesn't make any difference daniel knew one thing right it don't matter which one of them three you count we're close we're close and yet we've never sought the lord we're close, and as a nation, we haven't repented. We're close, but we're not looking to the Lord for that deliverance. And so, Daniel in verse 3 says, Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Now, the whole nation didn't do it, folks. They didn't. Who turned back toward the Lord? Started with one guy how does revival start one guy one guy we can always wait for somebody else to start right or we can be like daniel he turned his face toward the lord he wants to concentrate on what the spiritual is doing and reduce the physical that's why it says in fasting with sackcloth and ashes what's he saying I only want to focus on God. I want to think about when I got to eat or what I'm supposed to do or what I'm wearing or what I did. I want to remove all that stuff out and just me and him. That's the point. And so Daniel removes all those things and he seeks the Lord. and He says, I prayed to the Lord, my God, and I made confession and said, Oh, Lord, great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. Daniel begins his prayer with what? God's goodness. Talking about God's goodness. He's blown away by how God's been good. What God has done for him. What didn't he do? He didn't shake his fist at God. He didn't look at God and say, God, what? I got a bone to pick with you. I was only 15 years old when I was taken from my parents' home. And I was brought to this place. And I was made a eunuch i can never have a wife i can never have children i'll never have a family i live my whole life alone god why why that's not what daniel did is it we know who did that right that little three-letter word used that was judas word why why judas never put his faith in god but daniel had his faith in god right Daniel recognized, hey, I am where God wants me to be. So he talks about God's goodness, God's mercy. Certainly in Daniel's career, now coming toward the end of that career, he's certainly seen God's hand in his life in all the different struggles that he'd been a part of. He saw God moving. So Daniel leans toward his goodness. And in verse 5, the very first word of verse 5 is the word, we we have sinned folks just a little note for bible trivia buffs there are two people in the bible other than jesus christ of whom there is not one sin mentioned i'm not saying they didn't sin but the bible made great efforts if you will To show these guys, when we see Abraham, do we see Abraham sin? Yeah. Noah? Yeah, we saw Noah sin. Lot? Yeah, sure, we saw Lot sin. Over and over and over again, we see all these guys. Two people. Joseph and Daniel. But what did Daniel say in his prayer? We have sinned. He didn't say, Lord, they're such a boneheaded people and they mess up and they, they, they. they." Did he say they? We. We. That's where his attitude in prayer was. We have sinned. Man, what an incredible thing. It wasn't about seeing the sin on his brother. It wasn't about any of that. It was all about, hey, we have done this. This is our present situation, and our present situation is due to what? Sin. We have sinned sin and committed iniquity we have done wickedly and rebelled even by departing from your precepts and your judgments we are wrong and you are righteous and that's so important in our prayers whatever i if there is an issue where me and god are on opposite sides of the fence i could tell you right now who's wrong I don't even have to think about it very long. I'm wrong. If I I have myself in opposition to the Lord, I'm wrong. I have done wickedly. And He is righteous no matter how anything looks. God is righteous and I am a sinner saved by grace. And that's the attitude of Daniel. Now listen, I want you to recognize when the children of Israel came together when they went into the land, we'll study it as we go through the book of Exodus and later on into Deuteronomy and Numbers, the Lord's going to divide the people and He's going to put a group of priests up on this mountain over here. And He's going to put a group of priests up on this mountain over here. And He's going to put the children of Israel in the middle. He calls that middle the Valley of Decision. And on one mountain, they're going to talk about if you obey the Lord, and they list out all the blessings... And on the other mountain, they're going to talk about if you disobey the Lord. And they're going to lay out the cursings. And the Lord said to the people, on the right hand is life. On the left hand is death. Choose life. That's what God said. Choose life. What's Daniel saying from the, from the streets of Babylon? We chose wrong. We got off track. God said, if you go in disobedience to my word, is it a punishment from God? Not necessarily. It's just a consequence of the choice. If you go in rebellion against God, you are taking a hard road. What is it that sin does? What does the enemy come to do? To rob, steal, and destroy To rob, steal, and destroy. That's what he's going to do. You go that way, you're going to be robbed, stolen from, and ultimately destroyed. You go this way, you have life. Life or destruction. Life or death. God says, choose life. Is there any difference in the valley of decision for us? I mean, we have the same choice, don't we? To choose God's way or choose our own way every day. Every day we're faced with that opportunity, aren't we? What am I going to do? Which way will I choose? How am I going to make the right decisions? So many decisions face us every day. Why'd I take Poline Road instead of 4,200? If I took 4,200, I'd have made it. No accident, right? But I came down Poline, hit a van. Now... I could sit and question about the choices and the decisions and all those things, but what's the key to it? That we're studying God's word and we're in prayer to hold God's hand. And then God's going to guide us right down the path he wants us to take, isn't he? And he'll deliver us from the lion's den, won't he? Yeah. And we'll miss the the mailbox and all the trees and we'll land in grass that's been watered for a month and it's a big muddy mess and... All you get is grass stains. That don't happen very often, but it's all about being in that place that God wants us to be in. And if it had ended differently than that, it was still part of God's plan. I trust Him, and I believe God knows what He's doing. If there's an issue where something don't seem right, I promise it's my eyes, not His god knows what he's doing well let's look what he says we have sinned and committed this wickedness neither in verse six have we heeded your servants the prophets who spoke in your name to the kings and our princes to our fathers and all the people of the land he is going to pray a we prayer in fact if you go through this whole prayer you'll see we we us 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 We, 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 us, us, us. It's all about that. What does it mean? It enables Daniel to pray with compassion, to see self correctly and others with compassion. If I change it around and it's a they prayer, now I'm exalting self. Self is not in the rightful place and my prayer is all upside down and out of whack. I want to have the compassion God wants me to have for My brethren and four sinners, of whom I am one. What did Paul say? I'm the chief. I'm a captain of the sinners, Paul would say. So we want to have that kind of an attitude. We want to have that right thing. And they didn't listen to the prophets. Jeremiah. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. Why? His entire ministry, nobody changed. No matter how much he preached... Nobody liked him. He got so disgusted one time, he told God, that's it, I'm done, I'm not going to say one more word. These people don't want to hear it anyway. Forget it, I'm not going to say it. And the Bible says Jeremiah tried to be quiet. And the word of God burned inside of him like a hot coal. And he could not stop it from coming out. Jeremiah would share But they never listened. So Jeremiah wrote one of the saddest books in the Bible, Lamentations. What was Lamentations about? When Babylon came and took Israel. Jeremiah told them, don't fight. Just lay your stuff down. They'll take you peacefully. No one will die. What did the people do? Picked up their swords and they fought. And they were slaughtered. And Jeremiah stood on a hill overlooking the city and wept. Because the people wouldn't listen. Daniel said, after reading Jeremiah's book, man, we didn't listen. We didn't listen to the words of the prophet. We didn't hear what they had said. So... He says in verse 7, O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us, shame of face, as it is this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all of Israel, those near and those afar off, all the countries to which you have driven them because of the unfaithfulness that they have committed against you. O Lord, to us belongs shame of face, to our kings, our princes, Our fathers, because we have sinned against you. Well, Daniel wasn't afraid to take responsibility. You ever been around them people who don't ever like to take responsibility? Like, it was never really my fault. It was always somebody else did this, somebody else did that. My dad taught me a long time ago, life was a lot better if you just stood up and took your beating like you were opposed to. If you come up with all these excuses, it was always longer and more drawn out. If you just stood up and said, I'd done wrong, and it was over pretty quick. And I learned that lesson coming up through the Marine Corps. I remember we were having room inspections, and they were coming through and inspecting our room, and our room wasn't locked. Well, the first thing you're going to learn about me is my house ain't locked, my car ain't locked, Keys are probably in that truck out there. I don't lock things. Well, maybe I'm dumb, I don't know, but it's just one of them ticks inside a person that is all messed up and ain't fixed right. You know, it just works out like that. Well, I left this room open and we get called in before the officer in charge, and he is just lighting us up one side and down the other. Now I could have just stood there and stayed quiet, and both of us could have got you know, drilled over the fact that the room was open. But that's not how my dad taught me. So when he started going, I said, excuse me, sir, that room was left open. It was my responsibility to lock it, and I left it open. So the guy who was rooming with me got excused, and I got my own whooping all by myself from from a drill instructor. But in the end, I had earned the respect of my roommate, and I had earned the respect of the officer who was in charge because I wasn't afraid to take responsibility that's not the way our world is today everything's somebody else's fault nobody wants to own up you go to to jail everybody got railroaded you know somebody did me wrong somebody did this wrong but that isn't the case I done wrong you only get to jail one way You were someplace you should not have been doing something you should not have been doing. And you got caught. Don't be afraid to take responsibility. Don't you see that's what Daniel's doing? It's us, Lord. We are the sinners. He was taking responsibility for the nation. Taking responsibility for his people. To the Lord our God belongs mercy and forgiveness. Though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yes, all of Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so as not to obey your voice. Therefore, the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, a servant of God, has been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. You hear what Daniel's saying? He is saying, Lord, you're you're right. The wages of sin is death. God said, look, I told you, the wages of sin is death. If you're going to walk in sin, it is going to exact a price. If you walk in it, it's going to cost. i seen in a newspaper one time a fella who had a pet scorpion. You ever had a pet scorpion before? I wouldn't recommend it. They're not a whole lot of fun to play with. But this fella had a pet scorpion. He loved his pet scorpion. And they had his write-up in the, in the paper. They had a picture of him. His head looked like it was the size of a basketball with these gigantic lips. Humongous, swolled-up lips. And the caption says, you know, owner of, uh, of, the, of this critter gets stung in the mouth by a scorpion. Now, you just have to read something like that, don't you? I mean, how in the world do you get stung in a mouth by a scorpion? it's not like a judo scorpion, you know, that jumps up in the air, spins around, sinks, gets you in the mouth. It didn't work like that. How did this happen? He kissed him. He picked up that s- silly scorpion and he... Now, what does a scorpion thinks happening? Put yourself in the scorpion's mind. Here comes this big old mouth. <laughs> I don't know. If I was a scorpion, I would think, that's not good. <clears throat> so, when he got close, bink, he got stung right on the, he got him on the lip and the tongue. And his mouth all swelled up. Some people think that's the way they can, they can play like that with sin. They can just mess around with it. And it's not ever going to cost me nothing. It's not ever going to cost something. There's not some issue. They, they just, it just escapes him. It's like the Lord said, the soul that sins what? Shall die. Period. And we think somehow we got a loophole. We found that loophole, man. And if I sin and it's not going to be me, I'm not going to die. It's somebody else. I mean, I, I, just the other day, I had a campfire and I went like this, and it didn't burn me. So that means fire doesn't burn, right? No, that's not what it means. All of it, well, all us dads taught our kids that at some point camping, and you go, watch it, son. And their eyes get all big. Yep, dad's so tough. Fire don't even burn him. Yeah. They figured out if they watch very long, huh? Somewhere along the way, you're barbecuing. If you come to my house and I'm barbecuing corn, you'll get to know that I'm not too tough to be burnt. Because we barbecue corn in the, sh- in the, what do you call it? Husk. Yeah. It's shucking it, but that's not what you call it. it. You don't barbecue it in the shuck, right? You barbecue it in the husk. So, I take this corn... <laughs> And I dip the corn in water. I'll learn you guys the trick. It's pretty cool. And then, well, maybe you all know it already. And I put it on the barbecue, and I cook it, and then I make Mexican, I put mayonnaise on it. Oh, Doesn't that sound good? Everybody gives me that same look. What? (laughs) Mayonnaise? Yeah, mayonnaise, and then Parmesan and cayenne pepper. Oh, man. It's so, anyhow. So I'm making that stuff, and they're ready. And I don't know how I always end up with this job. I think I end up with this job because Kathy is smarter than me. And so she gives it to me. So she goes, okay, Jackie, get the corn off the barbecue. Well, okay. So a smarter person might take the corn off the barbecue, put it in a bowl, take it in as it cools off, shuck it. But I don't do that. I take the corn off and I go like this. And then I shuck the corn while the husk is on fire sometimes. And I'm blowing it off and i put it in and i go ah now when i look at my kids like cole and i say yeah fire doesn't hurt dad he's like dad you're a bonehead what are you talking about (laughs) get some gloves or something that'd be a lot easier but you see it's the same way people think i got away with it right it's not burning me it's not hurting but what is it the devil does he takes that hand while you're passing it through the fire and sooner or later He just holds it over to flame, and the burning happens every single time, every time. It wasn't that God in heaven said, I'm going to punish these people for doing wrong. That has nothing to do with it. Sin has its own punishment. God wants you to stay away from it. Stay out of sin. Walk in righteousness and obedience to God's word, and you don't have to worry about it. Walk with your hand in His hand. So Daniel's recognizing this. And Daniel's seeing it. He's he's laying out to the Lord. Man, we have all transgressed. In verse 12. And He has confirmed His words which He spoke against us and against our judges who judged us by bringing upon us a great disaster. For under the whole of heaven such has never been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. There has been... Surrounding Jerusalem. 36 wars. 17 destructions where the city was brought down to the flat of the ground. And 18 times it has been rebuilt. And there's one more coming. One more destruction. One more rebuilding. The nation of Israel. Satan has his eye on them to destroy them. And It is written in the law of Moses, All this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquity and understand your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept the disaster in mind and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he does, though we have not obeyed his voice. Man, that's something we want to learn to be able to say. The Lord my God is righteous in everything he does. And if I don't understand it, the problem's not with God. The problem is with me. Well, now, he says in verse 15 now, our Lord, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name as it is done this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because of our sins and for the iniquity of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people are reproached to all those around us. now, therefore, O God, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications, and for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary which is desolate. Look, Daniel's calling out. He's pleading for God's mercy, for God to, to realize, hey, we fulfilled the requirement, Lord. Turn us loose. Turn back all that destruction. Rebuild the city. Rebuild Jerusalem. Do all those things. Folks, I want you to get this concept. Daniel offered this prayer, and God did that for the whole nation. Daniel prayed, and God did it. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to realize if we, what does the word say? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. I will hear their cry from heaven. Isn't that what he says? And I will heal their land. He heals their land. This is what God does. The whole nation, it doesn't tell us prayed. But what do we see praying? Praying. Daniel, willing, by himself. Daniel had lonely prayer meetings too. For a while it was Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now it just appears to be Daniel. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, maybe they were gone already. They were all the same age. Maybe their race was, was one, and here Daniel was on his own, going before the Lord in prayer. But I want you to look at this in verse 17. Cause your face to shine on your sanctuary. Daniel's desire was for God's presence. More than anything else. Is that your desire? For God's presence. There comes a time as we study in the book of Exodus, we'll see the children of Israel along the way. They're going to be dancing around this golden calf. And God's, you know, not very happy about that. And ultimately, God's going to tell Moses, Moses, you know, I'll just start with a new people. Oh, no, Lord. You know, save these people. Moses intercedes for them. And then the Lord says, well, you know what I'll do? I'll, Okay, I'll, I'll keep my promise and I'll give you the land, but I won't go with you. And do you know that all the children of Israel say then we won't go because we want you with us more than we want the land somewhere down the line that all changed right The pharisees would say they'll come take away our place the romans will take away our place if people follow jesus it was all about the land and not about god's presence anymore in our own nation, wasn't there a time when, when the pilgrims first came? That the attitude of those who were in this nation was all about honoring the Lord? All about honoring God? That was what it was all about. I don't care about the land. We want what? God's presence. We come for the, the freedom to worship. And that's what it was all about. But somewhere down the line... It became about the land. And not about the presence of God. And as a nation. We take down the Ten Commandments. Bible out of schools. Prayer out of schools. In a lot of ways. In school you're way more free to practice. Any other religion. As long as it's not Christianity. Because. Their hearts have gone away from a desire to be in the presence of God. Why did not it bother them about the other ones? Folks, those other religions don't bring you into the presence of God. Amen. There's no power in that. Why do people swear with Jesus' name? Why do they swear in God's name? Why don't they run around yelling, oh, Buddha? Because there's no power in Buddha's name. Why don't they say, oh, Confucius? No power in Confucius' name. But Jesus' name, that's something altogether different, isn't it? Now we're talking about power in the name. Power in the name. Well, here Daniel's saying, Lord, I want your presence, man. It's more important that I'm with you than that life is so hunky-dory. See, that's what he's saying here. Yeah, I'm in Babylon now. Now the Medo-Persians are in And I've been made a eunuch and I don't have a family. But God, all I need is you. that's true all we need is God's presence in our life and what happens in our nation if one fellowship like Daniel begins to pray begins to really open their heart and doesn't say look at our look at that country look at them but realizes we're part of the problem too. We're part of the problem of letting things slide. What happens? I don't know. I'd rather be one who at least laid it down and gave the prayer, right? Than one who said, well, probably won't work. And never tried. Nothing ventured. Nothing gained. But Daniel has the right key right here. I want God's presence, period. I have God's presence in the middle of a dungeon, and that dungeon's all I need. I just want God's presence. This is what he's calling for. Oh, my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city, which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercy. Why was Daniel praying? Not, i'm not praying because i'm righteous i'm praying because you're merciful but i never want to be found in the line of justice i'm not interested in justice i do not want to get what i deserve period i want mercy i want mercy i want i want what i don't deserve i want god's mercy i want god's grace I want to experience that. I'm not coming to the Lord or praying or calling out because somehow <clears throat> more righteous or more holy than anyone else. I'm a sinner saved by grace, just like everyone is. It's not my righteous deeds that brings the answer to the Lord's prayer. It's God's mercy. It's God's mercy that does that work. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen and act. Do not delay For your own sake, my God, for your city and your people who are called by your name. Now, while I was speaking, praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord, my God, for the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering." If you just read through Daniel's prayer, it takes less than three minutes. So that means heaven's pretty close. Because it only took Gabriel three minutes to get here. He's not even finished praying in God's answering. You ever pray a prayer and ain't get, didn't quite get finished to have with the Lord answer that prayer? We were just on uh, for Friday. Friday we're out looking for another vehicle since my motorcycle looks like so much tinfoil rolled up into a ball. And so we needed something else, some other set of wheels. And we had sold a motorcycle <clears throat> before we moved up and had just gotten, the, the, the fellow we sold it to just sent us the check this last week. So we had some money to buy uh, a used truck. So we're going around, we're looking at trucks, you know, and I hate, anybody hate buying, I hate buying I hate it because I hate all them feelings of everybody's trying to rip me off and nobody's willing to tell me the truth and what am I really getting? So we went and looked at this truck and and we weren't sure, but we kind of thought we, that's the truck we were probably going to go with. And But before we wanted to do anything, we said, you know, we just need to go home and pray. So uh, just call us later on and, and then we'll, we'll talk turkey about it. But we want to go home and pray. And, so he said, okay, and so as we were leaving there and we're headed back home, we seen another truck over uh, at a lot in Filer, so we stopped to go look at that truck. We walked past the, the truck we ended up buying. We walked past it, and it was like, you know, I don't know, a light from heaven was shining on top of it. Now, there was nothing all that special about it from any of the other ones we'd looked at, but it was it was just like, you know, while in our hearts we're saying, God, guide us. Lead us to the right thing. You know, then, boo you have this spotlight shining down. And and still, we, you know, we talked to the fellow about it. And we said, okay, well, we're going to go home and pray. We went home. And, and we prayed on our way home and at home, you know, because we want to do what God wants. Because then, if it breaks, what you just say, I'm holding God's hand. I'm supposed to be here. This was a truck I was supposed to buy and it's supposed to break. And God's learning me something. So, you know, we go home and we pray and ultimately the Lord guides us. We go back and, and picked up that truck. And so that's the truck that, that we're driving now. But it's so cool as you lean on the Lord and you say, Lord, I want you to guide. I want you to show us a way when, you know, there are, those, there are other times we pray and God don't say nothing. That always means wait. It's not time yet. Go home. Keep praying. Put it on a shelf. It's apparently not an emergency with the Lord. And God's never late, right? It's our own things that cause all the the hurt and angst for us when we won't wait when God's calling us to. Well, here Daniel's praying. He don't even finish. There's Gabriel. Gabriel is going to give to Daniel the most, single most, incredible prophecy in the entire bible he's about to lay it all out for him and he informed me and talked with me and said oh daniel i have now come forth to give you skill to understand man the revelation is coming god's about to tell him things he's never told anybody else at the beginning of your supplication, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. Remember, Daniel read the word, he prayed, and prayer led to revelation, which is going to lead us to study and prayer in revelation study and prayer and revelation but it's going to lead to it next week look at that you got all the way to the brink of the greatest prophecy and the preacher just stopped you right there doggone i wouldn't even have come tonight if i knew he wasn't going to get to that part yeah but i think yeah i think what the lord was In my heart, what God really had for us tonight was that it's that whole prayer of Daniel that led to that. It was that whole heart of Daniel that led to that revelation. Man, we don't want to miss out on what God has for us. And what God has for us is wrapped up in that willingness to just bear yourself in prayer like Daniel did. What did Paul say? Pray without ceasing. There's nothing really more important in our christian walk than to be willing to pray and it's not about 20 minute prayers how long's that prayer less than three minutes less than three minutes god's going to answer it all and he's going to tell him the entire history of the nation of israel how that's all going to come together the day the messiah is going to come he's going to lay it all out In the last, whatever we have, seven or eight verses left that we'll do next week. He's going to lay all that stuff out. But it was all found in his heart seeking the Lord. That's how we want to go to the Lord. We want to seek the Lord. I want to know. I want to receive from Him. I want to know we're doing the things God has called us to do. Amen? We want to know those things. And so I encourage you tonight. We're going to have... Uh, a few moments of worship we're going to invite you to worship with us but you also in that worship have the freedom to pray seek the lord i mean you're welcome to come up and and kneel but you don't have to do that you can kneel where you are you can stand where you are you can stand in the back god's everywhere he'll hear you wherever you're at and in the bible you can see every form of prayer from on your face on your knees Standing up with arms raised. All those forms of prayer are there. I encourage you. Lean on the Lord just like Daniel did and allow God to reveal for you not Israel's history. He's already told us that. But He will tell you parts of yours. Your journey. The revelation that you need. Why don't you stand with me let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we do thank you. We praise you, Father, for this opportunity, God. And I know that the word that you had for us tonight, this understanding, Father, this desire to come to you in prayer. We have just a few moments here at the end. We'll do some worship, God, but it's just my prayer. Your spirit would move in a mighty way in this place, God, and your people who are called by your name would desire to pray. Just pray. Just to call out on you, Father. Each one of us finds ourselves in a different place, in a different position, going through different things. But God, you call us to lean on your goodness like Daniel did. You call us to pray we prayers because it's not about everybody else. We're part of the equation too. You call us to lean on your mercy, Lord. To put our hand in your hand. Not try to move your hand in a direction we want it moved but just to hold your hand that you would guide us and lead us as the word leads to prayer and prayer leads to revelation. It's our desire tonight. You would reveal yourself to us as we seek your face in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.